we have partnered with Podlike for all our audio needs. If you like what you hear, give them a message. Here we are again with another episode of the podcast. We are the 212 Podcast, and we interview a different guest each week who give us the lowdown on the industry. Today's guest hails from Denmark, a country known for its architecture and designers. Our guest is a designer of sorts, a creative thoroughbred who works on the Colossus that is uh, Roskilde Festival. He is the senior production manager of Roskilde Festival, which basically in event speak means that he does fucking everything. Uh, screws need fixing. He'll be there. Shelter needs building. Oh, he'll be there. And we want to dive into some of those epic challenges and mismatches with him. Please welcome to the podcast, Lars Lilliengren. How are you and where are you today, Lars? Uh, thank you, Daniel. I'm in uh, in our offices in Roskilde, which is just uh, 40 kilometers outside of Copenhagen, the capital of Denmark. And back in office after a long summer holiday and uh, working on bits and pieces and getting ready for Roskilde Festival uh, 22. Perfect. When is when's the uh, when's the big day? Hoping to go ahead. The festival is is a week, and and the first couple of days we open the last Saturday of June. We open the campsite. And on that day, 60,000 kids jump into the campsite and they stay there for a full week. And then we have the main days, which uh, kicks off uh, with the first days of, of July. And then we finish on, on the first Saturday of, of July uh, 22. Amazing. Um, I just wanted to, uh, as we always do with our guest, um, Lars, is... is the industry is really it's a it's a tough it's a tough one um and there's a lot of mad people in the industry and you have to be slightly mad to get into it i just wondered how you started in your career well that's a, that's um that's actually yeah i'm i'm one of the, the weird and mad ones because my background is actually i'm a teacher i'm a school teacher um that's my background uh, and i worked as a teacher for 8 9 years at a boarding school teaching kids Eight, sixteen to seventeen, but it all kicked off. I'm I'm from Odense, which is the third largest city in Denmark, where Hans Christian Andersen was born. And um, in in my teens, I got into music. During, during the summer, there were a lot of concerts going on in my hometown, and I went to one of them with Walter Trout. And there was this amazing guitar player, a real gunslinger in his band, and I was got so fascinated that I thought I have to learn guitar. So I bought a guitar, taught myself how to play, uh, began playing in bands in, in Odense, small small indie bands, but never really made it anywhere. But the thing about Denmark is that everything is extremely organized, even our spare time activities. It, it all comes from the cooperative movement that we have in Denmark. So you join forces, and I got into organizing rehearsal rooms um, for, for bands. And through that, I began uh, volunteering at a venue uh, in Odense, which is called Posten, a 600-cap venue run by volunteers, only a few employees, but doing a full pro program throughout the year. And through that, I, I began working with some band as a, as a driver and a, and a backliner and quit the bands, actually quit working uh, with music for a couple of years, became a manager at Burger King, then went to teaching training college, became a teacher, worked at a boarding school. And then at the boarding school, I had a colleague who was volunteering at a local venue in Holbeck, which is 60 kilometers from uh, from Copenhagen. And his his job was to to do the programming. And he was sort of, well, I've had my years last. You want to take over and do music programming at, at the venue? And 
I said, of course I would. And then the ball started rolling. I got back into to working with music again. This was the early Zeros. Uh, and I had done that for eight, nine years while working as a TV full-time. A newly formed uh, um, booking agency asked me to 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 join them as a tour and production manager. And that's how I went from being a teacher to becoming a full-time uh, uh, production manager. Uh, that's then, the, that's the kind of that's the kind of life though that you, uh, <laughs> you 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 hear all these people that get into music and that is actually that's not I mean it's it, it, I haven't heard that pathway but the the pathways that you do hear it, it, they're never basic there's always some sort of story to it do you, do you agree yeah I agree there, there there are many there are many educations coming up now where you where you get to work with events in a, in a more uh, and being trained in a more professional way, but a lot of us are, are self-taught. And I think what's what's common for, for all of us that at some point in our teen years, we, we've seen the light. I, I saw it at the Luther Allison concert. And and whenever I do a Ruskiller Festival or whenever I work at a big event, I always look for the 16-year-old kid uh, uh, in front of the stage because that's me. And then I see myself again, and that reminds me this is why I do it. I do it for that 16-year-old kid at his first or her first concert. And you see the sparkle in their eyes. And, you know, well, that's why I do what I do. It, it's to give that thing back to, to the kids. Yeah, awesome. And I guess, you, you, as you mentioned there, you were teaching kids as well of that age. Did, were you teaching music at the time? No, uh, English, media and social study. I always uh, kept my my music thing as a private thing because you have to be really good to teach music. And I'm self-taught. I don't read music. I can play guitar and that's it. Um, I, I wouldn't be able to to teach much apart from songs that I wrote with my indie bands back in the days. And did you... Uh, the I've got a few uh, Danish friends and, and they all say the kind of uh, the same thing is uh, wherever they grew up, ultimately to to make it bigger in whatever industry that you want to make it in, in Denmark, you do actually have to venture um, ultimately to Copenhagen. Is that right? Yes and no, but, but Denmark is a small country. We're 5.6 million uh, people in Denmark and Copenhagen is, greater Copenhagen is around one8 million people and the island where Copenhagen is Sealand um, um, more than half of the Danish lives, uh, population lives here so so it's 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 is a center of energy and everything happening in Denmark more or less is around Copenhagen well at, and that's not true because many of the festivals during the summer are spread uh, throughout Denmark but if you're a small country and you do have one city that size it will become become a center more or less for, for a lot of things going on and it will attract talent uh young people trying to trying to look for possibilities uh, opportunities so so i think that it's it's only natural that that's the way it is in denmark that with, with, with the size of copenhagen yeah. Um, so with your when you started and you were you were uh, looking after those bands and, you know, you were really getting into into working in that environment. Was that in your hometown? And then you then you kind of uh, branched out? No, I already moved to Copenhagen because uh, when I was uh, 25 years ago, when I was a manager at Burger King, I got promoted and became the first manager at uh, Burger King in the town square of Copenhagen. So 
I moved to Copenhagen 25 years ago. Uh, so I, I was already in Copenhagen, so it, it was super easy for me to to jump in into the next job after after teaching. You, you must have been doing that job, and essentially, I know you said you kept it secret, uh, not secret, you kept it separate there, the kind of music versus the, the career choice. But you must have, while you were, while you were uh, a manager at Bird King, you must have been dreaming of something else to do with music. Of course, I still do. I still, I still keep buying guitars. I still play at home, <laughs> and 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 the thing about being a, a manager at Burger King is that you run a shift, and it's actually, it's it's different from from running a show. But but you still you go to 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 work, and you see happy faces, and and you get things done, and you make things happen. And that's that's always been my thing. That I've I've, I've always been good at organizing things, and my main competence is. Uh, making things happen and helping other other people succeed. That that's my thing. That's what I do, and it's it's always been a part of me since since I was a teen. So, um, which essentially is something you need to do uh, at festivals a lot as well is yeah. uh, building people's spirits. Because I mean, <laughs> if you really want to test someone, it really can crush your spirits if you if you can't put in the hours and and the work. Yeah, and and Ruskily is a really special organization because uh, we're around 60 employees, and when we hit the festival site, we have 30,000 volunteers joining us, and I have 17 team managers. I have 17 teams who help building and 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 run my part of the festival, the program, and and the stages, and and they're all volunteers. And to keep people motivated, you have to involve them, especially where, if they're if they're in a manage, management position. And you have to to elevate people from from where their forces are and helping them succeed by involving them and having them all, all the way on the journey towards what we get to do on site. If that makes I, any sense. Yeah, it does. It makes total sense. And I guess there's two 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 part question really is mm. why do you think people volunteer and what do you think the difference is between the volunteers and people that are getting paid and ha- and is there a different different way that you have to manage them oh yeah uh, there are different ways to management uh, to, to manage them uh, it's it's a lot about the currency that you deal in when, when you work with volunteers is blood sweat and tears and what they get out of it is that they you're so, you're part of something bigger. You get to do something that you don't get to do in your everyday job, and being the, the size of festival that, that we are with eighty thousand guests and uh, a total of one hundred thirty thousand people during the main days on site, you are part of something really really big, and the resources we have once we hit site are uh, are endless. Uh, more or less, uh, we we can make most things happen and. Being part of that and and being part of taking responsibility and making things happen, that that gives people something, energy that that you can bring back to your to to your everyday uh, job and you you can also test yourself and you can learn. We even have our, our own um, leadership lab, which is uh, a leader education internally that we run for volunteers, uh, and it's a tenth month course that. Um, 22, 30 of our volunteers managers do every every year. So so that's something where you can test yourself and and you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about motivation and and leading others and helping others to succeed. It's I think it's hard to believe in other industries and I've you know I have this conversation with my parents before as well. Um, and 
If you're not in the industry, you don't understand why you have to volunteer or not get paid for something before you're actually working in the industry. And I just, why do why do people? What is it? Is it is it that it's just for the greater good, and you know that you're working with some someone uh, locally, or do you get international guests coming to volunteer as well? We do, we do get uh, a few um, international volunteers. We have some coming in, uh, mainly from uh, from Norway and Sweden, but but also from from UK. We have volunteers coming in, and it's it's also when 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 you you come to Roskilde, you're you're part of a have a very large community. You have your own volunteer village. You have your uh, separate camping, and you you are in it for the greater good and and for a lifetime experience. It's it's the community you join when you, when you do it, and it becomes a part of you. And I guess that's that's it, more more proof of that is that you you know you're saying that you're. You have uh, different people coming from different countries. I'm, I'm assuming that the actual mutual language that you all uh, speak is is English. So you have to um, probably, I mean, you would think a festival in your own country that you'd be speaking the language of the country. But um, essentially, if you get you do get volunteers from different countries, language uh, the English seems to be the uh, the go to language. Is that right? English is super easy in Denmark. Danish is a really small language. And and we are taught uh, English from grade one in school, so so it's very easy to get along in Denmark as an English speaking person. And uh, uh, w- most of our, our volunteers are Danes, so so Danish is spoken in the uh, organization. But if we're joined by international volunteers, the the, the team will speak English, <clears throat> and a lot of the information uh, handed out to volunteers will also be available in in English. Uh, so. It, it's super easy to to get along in in Denmark speaking English. And if you move to Denmark as as an English speaking person, you'd realize that all information available from authorities you can also find that in English. So it's actually hard to get to learn Danish because Danes Danes are always willing to speak English. So it's easy to get along in Denmark. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, why? Uh... <laughs> And this is I just because I work in the industry as well. But what is your day to day like, and why did you pick that specifically? I mean, you're saying that you've you had a bit of a, a stint with the the artist management and uh, some other components there, you know, especially with the with the with the teaching. But why why production? Did it pick you, or did you pick it? It picked me, <laughs> but but, <laughs> but but again, that's that's what what I always like to do is making things happen. So when when you start working with other people, when you start working at uh, volunteering at venues, you, if you, if you have the talent, very often uh, a manager would come and say, "Lars, could you please help out here? Could you do that?" And and I always try to whenever I was given a task, even the most boring one, always try to make it my own. So so that I, as early as I could get into a task, I, I would always try to take over and and run, run with it from there and learn from it. So so it's both ways. It's always been part of me uh, doing, doing production. Even when I was a kid playing, it was all, always be something about organizing things and making things happen. So... Well, do you, it's, do, it's you get, do you still get goosebumps when you when you've when you've finished it, like a, like when you've created something? I mean, Roskilde is such a it's such a festival that's on the map. Essentially, it's an international festival. It's not just a European. It's it is, 
you know, people know about it. Um, yeah. do, do you still get that when you when you're working there? Yeah, I do. There are there are always these moments when we open to the campsite and you seeing these sixty thousand and it's sixty thousand kids, age sixteen to early twenties. They're there with the tents. They're ready, waiting for the queue. And then they run into the campsite, find their spot, and within half an hour, you 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 have a complete campsite built, but with all the tents and 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 the kids uh, beginning to turn up, the boom blasters, and and have a party. That that gives me goosebumps. And then there are moments during the festival, uh, during concerts, where, where you catch that 16-year-old in in front of the stage, and well, there, there are moments every festival where I get goosebumps and it's it's so great when you when you're caught in these moments because that reminds you why you do it. Is there a pr- particular one that you can think of in Roskilde in particular that was just like a, a wow moment? You know, we've spoken to a few people on the podcast. There's one in particular where I'm thinking of uh, the, the 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 managers or the owners of of the festival. You know, she was talking about Prince and how she had to stop a production meeting and 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 leave to go and um, listen to it. Is there any moments there where you where that you that's just going to stick in your memory for forever? Yeah, uh, well, it's it's not one artist, but it's um, Arena States or second largest states, which is a, a tent, and it's a seventeen thousand capacity tent. So it's a massive venue. It's almost a stadium, but but it's in a tent. And whenever I get the chance, I, I go to the state's left side and stand by the monitor. And just before an artist enters the stage, you can hear the crowd uh, go whoa. And, and it's such a massive sound because it's in a tent. And very often you see an artist being just about to step onto to the stage, but being hit by the massive applaud from the crowd, they take a step back. Whoa, what's going on here? And and, and that's all, always, that strikes me how, how massive uh, that that is, what, what we actually do, that that even artists who had a long career, they, they can still be, be hit by, by the audience when, when they're just about to, to enter the States. I remember, I think it was 2009, I saw Robin with the coolest show, with a really good stage setup, and she was about to enter the States. And Robbie is a very calm, amazing artist, but she, but she had to, to take a step back when, when she got hit by, by the applause from the audience just before the show, and just took her half a second and then on, onto the stage. And, did and is that is that the is that the the tent itself that kind of holds in the sound or what's the yeah yeah it's 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 the sound that that you get in it because the the, the 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 sound of the audience is contained in the tent and and it throws onto the to the to the stage we've been working a lot with some of the issues that that has created as well for 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 sound wise but it it does give a it does give quite a heavy feedback to to the artist on stage. Yeah, that's amazing. It must feel just just so good to to be there. Who's so? I mean, you mentioned Robin there. What, what's what's uh, what's some of the others that you that you, maybe even you, you felt like a pinch yourself moment? Again, uh, Arena States, um, Grace Jones, Grace Jones. Um, <laughs> what what a what a what a fantastic uh, artist. She she had quite a, a state set up and and she rendered a lot of uh, uh, of, of production locally. One of them was um, a lift, which we had to get on on stage. And the problem about that lift was that it weighed two tons, 
So we had to put supports underneath the stage. Her production arrived early on, on the day with a really, really professional and cool production manager. And, and when you have such a production coming in, you'd always be watching the artist's production managers for reaction. Is everything good? Are we on time? And, and he was calm and cool throughout the, the whole build-up towards the show. And it took ages to, to get the, the lift in, in position. And we're rolling in it, and it's rolling really slowly. And I was watching the clock. We're getting closer to showtime. And then just two minutes before showtime, he smiled at me and said, thank you. And, and then he left, and we had the lift in position because he knew that Grace Jones that being the diva and the queen she was, she wasn't ready to go on stage on, on showtime. So she she got on stage, I think, 15, 20 minutes too late. And the rule is concerts always start on time at Roskiller Festival. But of course not Grace Jones. She went on stage and her opening comments was like, I know I'm, 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 I'm 55, but I still like men. And she looked gorgeous and did an amazing show. And <laughs> she she even ended up in the pit uh, system riding on the back of one of our uh, or crowd safety people. And uh, the last five minutes of her show, she was on on Eagle Riser just doing positions for for the cameras. And she was such a nice person. And that there were so many goosebumps during during that show. Just a great day. And she does all she does just ooze stage presence as well, doesn't she? Yeah, and she's an amazing singer. Which, which you you may often forget, but once you see her live, and she, she's still good. I found that with, you know, there's some people that you do, you're not sure about um, how good they actually are until you hear them. I think Boy George is the one for me. Um, when you listen to him, you're like, oh, my God, I didn't actually know that you you had that, that in you. Then we had David, David Byrne a couple of years ago when he did, I can't remember, it was 20... 18 or 2019, probably 2018. Yeah. And and he toured with all um he had a lot of chains hanging around uh on the side of the of, of the performance area and nothing on the floor. All artists and and David Byrne himself wore their instruments and their microphones, the microphones. So so there was nothing on the floor and they could walk through the chains. So if a if an a part of the band was, was standing behind the chains, you wouldn't be able to see them. And once they, they, they had a part in the song, they would walk on stage through the chains and it looked amazing. I think you can you can find a lot of uh, recordings of the David Byrne performance 2018 on, on YouTube. Go check it out. It's it's a crazy show and an amazing performer. That sounds amazing. Um, and I guess that you've you've mentioned there as well that um, you know, these are just um production uh, queries or, or um, things that need to be set up that you actually know about, but obviously you you know that there's going to be these ad hoc um, requirements that that need to come in. Is there? Uh, how do you deal with those? How do you deal with those ad hoc um, inquiries that have not that that weren't agreed upon? Um, a lot of them, them, them. I would say that um, advanced production, the, the preparing of the show has been quite thorough. Of course, there are always things which are forgotten, but um, it's it's mainly on the, on the smaller stages. And we have a backline company. They they move their full storage to Roskiller Festival, so we can supply uh, 
basically any most instrument needed uh, backline wise when when a guitar is lost in the airport uh, or uh, someone else decides to to join dur- during the show we we can handle those things and we have all our rental companies on site and many of them have storage in Copenhagen move some of the storage to the festival so so we are we are, we are able to to handle many things even even during shows uh one of the really weird ones and special ones we had was in 2015 or 2016 uh Damon Albon Damon Albon has from Blur has a project called uh African Express and it's a project that uh is created to uh, make awareness of West African music and to promote uh, West African music. And and of course, also a charity project trying to scrape in some money for, for West African music. So he, he was doing a, a five hour show at Arena Stage. And uh, I think we started out with a hundred, close to a hundred different performers, uh, band members coming, coming on stage during these five hours. And one of them was Warren Ellis from uh, from the Ava and the Bad Seed, and and we had to build rehearsal rooms behind arena stage because the, once the show kicked off, they had two days for rehearsal, but they couldn't finish. So we had to let them rehearse during the show. So we had rehearsal rooms behind the show during Afri- African Express going on. And 15 minutes into the show, Warren Ellis he he comes with up with the idea that um, first aid kit. They played Roskill Festival. Shouldn't First Aid Kit join us? Of course they should. So we had to get the, the two girls from First Aid Kit into the rehearsal rooms and get them uh, acoustic guitars. And off it went and they joined the show. And that was happening. The, the show had already begun. But um, we managed to 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 get <laughs> uh, First Aid Kit squeezed into the show later on. Which is which is mad. And I think that's the, that, that's the thing is... You, in production in itself, is you. You just have to be so adaptable, don't you? Yeah, but but yeah, and and as well, you you have to listen. You have to understand what is the production manager or the artist actually asking for. You you have to, and 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 I'm so glad that I've had so many uh, so many years as a teacher working with teenagers that they they can be teenagers can be troubled, uh, not always saying what the problem really is but but i think i'm fairly good at reading people and and these skills help helps me a lot but i think it's always very important to 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 listen thoroughly to to what what you're being asked and what the idea is and and i try not to say no too much <laughs> uh, because it's it's inter- it's in the interest of everyone to to get the the greatest show happening and if there are good ideas we we should really work hard on on making things happen, because that that will be an add-on to the audience experience, and we are there for the audience. That's why we do what we do. You almost have to be a therapist as well, don't you? Yeah, therapist consultant, because um, the day after they're on to the next show, so so they don't come back for the next session, sadly. <laughs> and and that's and that's it is like you you have all these different personalities i mean you've just mentioned there you've got the volunteers you've got the i mean key stakeholders you've got the volunteers you've got the production side of things you've got the artists themselves you've got all these other components but some i mean if you if you wrote it down on paper it probably wouldn't work but it, it i mean it just does doesn't it 
it it it does, but but it's all about communication and and having. I tr I try to keep a simple uh, philosophy in 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 my management. I have I work on four to five sentences right now. I'm trying to write it down because of, I've been doing it for so long, and I can see that that some of it. May, maybe can be useful for, for other people. And, and one of the most important sentences that I work with is, is everything that can be said should be said. And that's basically because when, you, when you're on site or when you're planning something, you have so, so many dialogues going on in, with different people in, in different rooms and different situations. But it's very important to keep all stakeholders informed of what, what's going on, even though you may change your decision. But that that people get to understand the full equation and not just the the result that that helps them to to adapt and and work along and actually be 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 more of a resource and not being blind if that makes any sense so that's one of the sentences that i work really hard on 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 enforcing in in, in my type of leadership is everything that can be said should be said so it's kind of like an open forum like everyone needs to know yeah, uh, it's 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 so important that that people are informed and 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 I always done that even when I was a touring production manager I spent time on instruction instructing uh, stagehands on what is this show about what is it we're going to do and and why are we going to build it up this way and why are we going to to take it apart that way and that 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 helped the the stagehands to to be more involved and. And give it an extra go, but by by not just being being told stand there, wait, but that they knew what what the whole thing was all about, and and I think that's something you should use at at any level you 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 work with. Our organization has, a, has of course a strategy for the whole organization, and and to me it's very important that that all in a management position that comes and work with me and our rental companies that they understand our, uh, our strategy and, and why we're doing what we do and what we're set out to do. Um, because then, then if, you, if you understand the bigger picture, then you can easier, easier adapt to it. And we, 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 we've taken, taken, taken quite a big steps towards uh, involving people in, in what it is that we are, we're doing and why we're doing it. A couple of years ago, we did a strategic partnership with Maya Sound. So we were all Maya Sound Festival. We only have Maya Sound speakers at Roskilde Festival. And the reason we did that is that we found a manufacturer of speakers that, that had a mindset similar to Roskilde Festival. They came out of uh, of uh, the summer of love and, and, and the whole hippie movements, just like Roskilde Festival. And they were very interested in, in audience experience as the first thing before we started, started talking technical specs, we would always start talking about, so what is the experience that we would like to create? And, and from, from that partnership, I, my team and I got the idea that we would start hiring our own front of house and uh, monitor guys so that they could be able to communicate communicate to uh, an artist production manager, an artist front of house, what is Ross Killer Festival about? What is this stage about, stage about? What is it, what kind of audience experience would we like to create? Because very often you get down to the basics, you get down to the thing you have to do, but if you don't understand the, 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 the bigger picture or, or, or what you set out to do in, in, in a bigger perspective, I, I think, you're more likely to fail uh, than than work along. 
it sounds like all of the jobs that you've done uh, previously have have just led to this being almost your ideal job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I would say so. Uh, you're right. Actually, yes, that has been my part. <laughs> do, do you look at other festivals that you want to work at, or you, you're you're kind of content? I'm very content. Um, of course, I see other festivals that do great stuff. And I think especially for the last 10 years, the limits of what festivals uh, are doing seems 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 endless. There is so much good stuff going on, especially uh, from what I've seen in, in Europe. And the competition is, is, is really big now uh, between the festivals, which is good. But there is also a lot of inspiration to be had from, from many other of the festivals especially some of the new ones. In in Copenhagen, we have a new one, which it's I think it's 10 years old now. It's Copenhagen, and it's a metal festival taking place almost in the center of Copenhagen at an old shipyard. And and the whole environment that they've created for, for all the metalheads, it's, they've done a really good job. And it's it's so good to see that, that when someone does a specific genre festival that they go almost all the way and and they keep improving the audience experience every year and and i really like to see that that you don't think of the audience experience as just being the stage but it has to be from whenever you get close to the side and you're about to enter the side and and your whole journey through the site you, you should focus on 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 audience experience which is another word that we another sense is we always work with whenever we we do decisions uh, uh, of changing things at our side is we look each other in the eyes and say we have to see this through the eyes of the audience before we do anything because very often you you you, you get down to to the basic the things you need to do and all the practical stuff but take 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 a ride in the helicopter and 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 see it all from from the eyes of the audience when when you create an event, and that is happening in many places now. I think people people are really pushing the boundaries and the bars of what a, what a great festival experience is. What are the other festivals that you admire, um, not just in Denmark, but you were talking about some of the international festivals? Are there some that, that stick in your mind? Yeah, um, Lowlands in, in Holland is a is a is a great festival. Uh, it's it's different from Roskilde, but but they're again not so different. They 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 have a a, a smaller side, and one of the same challenges as Roskilde. We we don't have a lot of trees on site, nor nor they do. But um, I think they do a really good job on on creating an interesting site uh, for for the audience. That's one of them that that pops up in my mind. Yeah, that that's a really good festival. And who was uh, who's the? You mentioned a few of the bands that you have seen that have, that have kind of blown you away. Is there is there one in your mind that maybe it might be coming up? Maybe you can't tell us, but is there is there one in your mind that's that's kind of like your dream guest? Well, there, there isn't sort of a, a production wise a, a production I, I would love to have the festival. It, for me, it would all come down to the music and. Arena is an amazing stage, and well, I, I began working at uh, mainly at Arena States when when I joined the organization. So it has a special place in my heart. So I can think of so many artists 
that I would like to see uh, playing arena. I would love to see Daniel Lanoa uh, playing arena states. And if ever uh, REM is reformed, I'd love to see uh, REM play Roskiller Festival. But but production wise, I, I can't really think of of any tours that that I, I, I dream of. They they just come. So just looking for. They're all full of surprises. They're all full of surprises, and and very often uh, with the Faro Advanced Products, when you all we always hit the good compromises because playing a festival is a is a challenge for a touring production, especially the larger it gets. Because you as a as a as a touring production as an artist, you have one show. My challenge is that I have one show, and it begins on the main site Wednesday at five o'clock, and it ends Saturday night at four. That's with 160 bands performing in that show on six stages. So, so the, the, in the beginning there can be the, there can be classes, but but I think with a Pharaoh advanced production, you always find the good solutions. And of course, once you hit the site, you're as prepared as you can be. But but then you you have to work on solutions on the surprises that pop up, which no one had thought of because no one had been to the festival before and. But but I I I usually think that we we find good solutions and and common ground with the with the productions visiting Roskiller Festival. I mean REM would be pretty pretty sick to uh, be watching that as the the sun setting. Yeah, it it would be, and it, again, it all comes down to 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 music uh, to me and 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 an amazing band. And again, Michael Stipe. Once you've seen Michael Stipe live, you realise what an amazing singer he is. Have you seen um, him? Yeah, I've seen him in in in, in Copenhagen, uh, just on one of the last tours. Yeah, amazing. Do you still so even uh, and, and this this would be unusual for most professions, but so do you still uh, you work within music and the production and working at the the festival? Do you still go to venues uh, after that? As well, oh, yeah. and see yeah, bands. My perfect uh, concert experience has always been in venues. So I, I I like to go to smaller venues. One of my favorite ones in Copenhagen is Vega, which is a sixteen hundred cap venue, and they they have a really great program. If I am to go to a festival of my own choice, I always go to Turner, which is an old festival in in the southern part of Denmark. Um, folk and roots festival but but a really small one and i'm i'm into to american roots music and and bluegrass so that's the type of stuff i go so i i, I never go to a stadium show uh, unless it's it's work or uh, meeting a production do you ever get uh, the uh, i mean it's quite common do you get the post festival blues as well because you're in such a rush uh, a rush of adrenaline during um, no, not not really, not not not. No, no, I don't. It's it's more a satisfied feeling of a of a job well done. And 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 the weird thing is that uh, we finished the uh, the festival Saturday night, and then the audience has to leave the campsite by noon Sunday. And actually, I always go on on summer holiday the Friday after the festival. So so teardown is. Is super quickly and all all the pain bills I have to do I get that done in a week and then I'm off to 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 holiday 
and that is uh, that's much needed because it's it's long days. But I, I don't get festival blues. I, I just look forward to the next one and all all the, all the things that you want to improve and and do better for the next year. But but. No what are the couple, what are the two weeks or, or three weeks leading up to the festival look like in terms of you know hours? Just to, just I mean, I, I, some people who are in the industry know, but I think you know what are you talking about? You know, fifteen hour days leading up to it. The week up to where we open the campsite, the days are long, but they're not stressful for me, for, uh, for me because uh, what I do April and May are usually the stressful times for me because. I, I do most of the, the advanced production for the main states, orange states, and then I have other people coming in helping out, uh, doing uh, hospitality, uh, advancing the other stages, and then I have to finalize uh, all the plans with our rental companies coming in. So, so the week up to the festival, I'm not that busy. I'm not necessarily uh, busy during the festival because I have people doing 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 their thing so i'm more there to support help out if there are there are situations so so the stressful time for me is actually uh, april and may and um, we've spoken about this before, uh during uh this 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 episode and i just want to see how my aim is uh lars and and you can tell me i'm completely wrong but i mean all you talk about just hearing you and 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 hearing the excitement i mean all it all boils down to the fact that the festival is a, just a great atmosphere for people to go to and i wondered if you know most most of my danish friends that i know um you know whenever they've uh, maybe lived in another country, they're surprised at how much culturally other countries particularly might be going out. I mean, the Mediterranean is a perfect example. They'll, they're, they're, they're constantly going out, whereas in Denmark it might be seen as more uh, you're at home with your get-togethers uh, because it's too expensive to go out to the bar every single night, whereas other countries it's, it might, might be a, a bit more attainable. Do you think there's a layer of that uh, excitement for Danes at Roskilde that they've they can't wait to 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 get into it because they've been saving it up? I don't think it'd be saving it up, but there is the really strong uh, storytelling about young among young people of of the community that you join on the campsite. That that is where you 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 go for a week and and you can be whoever you want to, and there's a lot of freedom. It's it's a very safe festival. Not many problems at 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 the the festival, and it, and it's extremely safe, and there's a really loving, uh, great atmosphere on site, and that that is the audience coming in. That's the the story that they take that they bring on on site to the festival, and that's that they're so important in 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 creating Roskilde Festival is their attitude uh, they they bring on site, and that's something that's been building up over the the last 49 festivals that that is the vibe of Roskilde festival and it's it's very it's it's very different from what you would ex- experience in 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 most countries or or, or most uh, larger cities is it's it's a community and you're there and and you meet people who you would never talk to but you all look the same you're all a bit dirty and and in shorts and and your favorite band t-shirt and Nobody cares. You're just in it together. Yeah, you're painting painting quite the picture. 
You also, as well as uh, the Ross Kilda stuff, I just wanted to touch upon some of the other things that you have done. I mean, you've, you, you, you said there you've got the head, uh, head of production um, at the booking agency, which is Copen, uh, Copenhagen Music. Yeah. Um, and then you've also worked with some Danish artists, Lucas Graham and, and, and Alphabet. I wonder how that shaped what you're doing today. I learned, I learned a lot from touring with, with those artists because um, the, the company Copenhagen Music was was founded by Copenhagen Records. It was actually a record company who opened the booking agency because they realized that uh, record sales was, was going down and streaming was not kicking in yet. And the fantastic thing about working at Copenhagen Records and Copenhagen Music was that they signed artists in for more than an album. They, they, they signed careers and they wanted to build up careers so they were really good in in their in their talent work and spotting talent. And Alphabet was already signed. They 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 moved back from 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 London to to Denmark, and I got to tour with them and and work with them. Extremely professional and and very uh, nice people to to tour with. And at the same time, our uh, talent scout spotted Lucas Graham. So I was I was actually. Uh, on on the journey with Lucas Graham for the free, first three four years of his career and his first tour manager, we with the first gigs that he he did outside of Copenhagen were were two very small venues but completely sold out. So so working with Alphabet, a very um, professional and an experienced artist, to Lucas Graham uh, being an upcoming artist and becoming a really big name has 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 taught me a lot about. All, all the different levels of an artist's career uh, there is and all the aspects of uh, touring in different sizes and different moments in a career. And that, that also helps me understand a lot of, uh, of, of the, uh, the bands coming into the festival because there, there were a variety of it all as well. But, but, but being with an, an artist in, in, in the beginning of the career where everything kicks off and all of a sudden everything is, is possible, you go from... I remember in 2012, in, in the spring, we did 250 cap venues, and in September, we were playing 3,000 cap venues. Which would have been a pinch yourself moment. Yeah, it, it was it was amazing, but it's also it's also a tough one because often you, you see an artist grow, and not all of the crew may be able to to grow with the same speed. Some 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 crew members may be old friends, and all of a sudden they the learning curve can't can't follow follow the uh, the success of the artist and the size of the venues that you play. So that's really tough uh, when you sometimes have to re- replace loyal, good crew. But but now you hit the ceiling. So but but there again, that's that's the part of being a production manager as well as the role I have right now with Roskiller. That sometimes you also have to do that. Uh, not so so fun part of it that that you have to to lay off people, but uh, that's not just something that you do with a you're not part of it anymore. You you have to do do spend time with people and talk about how they they can still build a career even though they're not part of a success or something happening. That how how can they move on? You have a, have a responsibility if you can hire people and. If you have to fire them, you have to do it in a, in a proper way and work with people unless they've stolen from Now, from, we're you know, coming to the end of the episode, uh, Lars, and you've just spoken about established Danish uh, artists. 
And I wanted to pick your knowledge a little bit. And I just wondered, seeing as we are speaking to you, is there anyone in Danish music at the moment you want to uh, promote or that you're listening to, that you love, or that might be playing at Roskilde that people should give a listen to? I, I would look at, well, she's always already established, but I would listen to Mu. Um, she's, she's bringing out new stuff. And then there, she, she's, and she's done all the work with Diplo. But then I think that you should listen to Tessa. She's a, a young rapper. She raps in Danish. And she just, we did a small festival this year as we couldn't do the big one. And she performed at that festival. And that was, I think, her second or third performance in her, in her career and her career took off during the sad period we just uh, been through so it was more of a viral on tv on radio career but she is she's a really good performer so tessa i would look out for her never mind it's in danish but 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 she's cool and she's good Awesome. And last one uh, before we uh, before we leave you, Lars, is if people want to get working at Roskilde, I was that boy that wanted to work at it before. Um, how do people get involved? Um, they just apply as volunteers and write a little bit, a bit about them, themselves. We have a. Uh, it's quite easy. You just go on on uh, on uh, the web page or uh, you mail volunteer at roskilde-festival.uk write a little bit about yourself, what your interests are, and the team will take over from there and and see how they can help you. And another thing you can look for, if, if you're really keen on, on learning stuff, I always take interns in. I usually have two during the spring. On the first day you start here, uh, you're an intern, and the second day you're a production coordinator, and you get to do a lot of work on the festival. So look out for, for LinkedIn, for a volunteer or internships at Roskilde Festival. Awesome. And just to give people a little bit of, uh, you know, the, the the stepping stone that is is festivals, uh, you know, you must have had a fair few people that have gone through that volunteer program that now work full time at the festival. Yeah, um, many, many of I, I was a volunteer as well when I worked at Arena States before I did. I actually volunteered while I was working at Copenhagen Music. So I took a week off touring and went and volunteered at a festival, uh, which is quite strange. But again, the community dragged me in. But but it's a good it's a good foundation for uh, for for moving on in the industry is is actually beginning at the festival that's also a good place to to build a, a network through the festival. Awesome, Lars Living. Then it's been um, great speaking to you and thank you for joining us for this episode. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Daniel.